Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to the Badass Women's Hour podcast. Three women, one podcast, and a whole load of badass. With me, Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell, and Emma Sexton. This week, we're talking about the Alabama abortion laws and the abortion laws in Northern Ireland. We learn why women are so disinclined to invest their money. And we talk to Avina Lamnissos, CEO of the Eve Appeal, about why the femcare market is out of control. Badass Women's Hour XL with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton on Talk Radio. One, two, three, four! So... Starting off, let's talk about what has happened in Alabama this week. If you have missed this news, and I don't really know how you can because it feels like it has been everywhere, this week the Alabama government Alabama government essentially voted to outlaw abortion to make it impossible for women to an, obtain an abortion, to make it impossible for women to obtain an abortion if they had been raped, if they have been victims of incest, and also to make it illegal as a doctor to perform an abortion. What do we think, Nat? First of all, <laughs> that's 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 what I give this, because it in 2019, we're in a position where 25 men can determine the fate of a whole host of women. And their argument is that uh, a fetus from six weeks uh, is entitled to the right of life. And so the punishment for that is to potentially take the life of another woman, because what generally happens when you restrict these things is people turn to illegal forms of practice. I mean, so, what we know is that in countries where abortion is illegal, as many abortions take place. Yes. They're just not done in safe situations. Exactly. And the people doing them are generally men. So either way, men are profiteering from this. What I haven't heard any of those 25 men say is that there'll be any punishment for the men involved. So there's no punishment for a man that chooses not to wear a condom. And it's a harsher, I've, I've read this, I, I, I will need to check, but it's a harsher punishment for a woman yeah. that has an abortion versus a man that rapes a woman. Yeah. And so the, um, the man that rapes, a man that rapes a woman, it, it basically is a bit like, well, fine, but the woman's the one that's going to jail if she has an abortion. Seven it, years versus life. It's just, abs- which for me is basically fine. Fine. Yeah, whatever. It's that that that's how it feels. It's like saying whatever to raping woman, but actually the woman who, you know, is completely the innocent party in this is the one that goes to jail. I just do not understand how any of this is even happening. The bill, if I'm right, has not actually been signed into law. No. So, so there been... is hope. Yes. Fingers crossed. There is hope. 
but I am not hopeful. So in order for the bill to be signed into law, it would have to essentially go up against something that is called Roe v. Wade, which is the kind of landmark, I think it was a 1956 case that made abortion legal in the United States yeah. and it's protected by the Supreme Court. So it would have to go all the way, really. You could challenge it all the way to the Supreme Court. But the length of time that is going to take mm-hmm. is not going to work for the women who are involved in that challenge. Yeah. And what really, when I saw this, what really upset me about it so much was... I saw there were so many women talking about this, talking about how it feels like it is men ruling over our bodies, how it feels like we have no say in what happens to our bodies. Mm. And I saw so many women standing up and saying, do you know what? Me too. I have had an abortion. Mm-hmm. You know, they're saying, actually putting themselves up there and saying, you know me, right? That it was this hashtag, you know me, which is I have had an abortion. And then somebody pointed out it's women saying that. Mm. Because do you know what? If you know a woman who has had an abortion, then you know a man who knows a woman who has had an abortion. Exactly, yes. One in four women have had an abortion, which means one in four men have had an abortion, essentially, mm-hmm. by proxy. Mm-hmm. And where were the men talking mm-hmm. about this? Where were the men saying, actually, do you know what? My career probably would not be where it is Mm -hmm. if I had been forced to be a dad at 16 or if my mistress had given birth to the baby that I asked her to get rid of. Mm -hmm. I'm looking at several US senators. Um, Mm -hmm. Like Those are men whose lives have been positively impacted by a woman having having an abortion. Why are they not talking about it? Where are you guys? Which is the call for men to get involved and stand up and say something. I, and the the reason why I sigh is on on all of this, it's taking women to stand up and say, this is not right. Even the things that affect men, it's women standing up and saying this, and I'm I'm actually white men specifically, because there were no black men that were involved in this. No, it's 25 white men. Um, it's always us it's tiring it's absolutely tiring and it's a constant constant attack and so for anyone thinking but it's just one state other states that have um also uh passed restrictive bans are arkansas georgia kentucky mississippi north dakota and ohio they are being challenged in the courts but as harriet says <sighs> yeah the impact is on women now it's going to take a long time yeah. But isn't part of their driver to get it to the Supreme Court, isn't it? So that they can... But the they tra- want to overturn Roe v. Wade, yeah. basically. That's, yeah. the, that's the goal. But, you know, and the second one state gets to a point where it looks like that might happen, mm-hmm. then essentially you'll see probably all 50 states, maybe not all of them, but the vast majority of them do this. And Wow. It'll be the... Uh, this is... Uh, we discussed it on the show last week. Part of the pro-life anti-choice movement is religious and so it's the states that have a really strong religious base and that also equates trump's strongest base supporters uh that also equates to republicans so there are some states um uh new york for example where it's highly unlikely and they're there's some they're one of the states that actually use their Uh, local legislation to overturn some of the federal bills that um, Trump has signed so when he does an executive order they're using their power to overturn them. The challenge with it going to the Supreme Court is that uh, Trump uh, made a recent appointment and so to the Supreme Court and so we're not in a position where we have the balance of people that will actually overturn this if it gets to the Supreme Court. Yeah it's a real danger. Yeah a very real possibility. But then we're living with that in Northern Ireland because a lot of yeah. this conversation, people were going, well, 
this is great guys but this is what we're having to deal with in northern ireland so mm. northern yeah. ireland it's life imprisonment for a woman who has an abortion uh i think it's similar for a doctor who performs it um and northern ireland is a part of the uk so everywhere else in the uk we get free legal safe clean access to this it is part of our healthcare except in Northern Ireland, which we've just conveniently forgotten about. So I remember last year when I also am incredibly emotional at the Repeal the Eighth movement mm -hmm. in Ireland, where we saw all of these people, uh, all the Irish people who were living outside of Ireland, flooding back. People were buying them air tickets so they could go and vote mm -hmm. to repeal the Eighth, which is essentially to allow abortion in Ireland. And everyone forgot that, yeah, Ireland was now fine, but Northern Ireland wasn't. Mm. That we live in a country that does this to women is I just, it, it makes me want to cry with anger. It makes me so angry that we can live in a country which says it's okay for us to believe that we have power over another woman's body. What What is that? So what do we do? Well, so some good things that we can do. So there are some fantastic organisations that have been set up um, in the US, but there are also some in the UK, and I'll get names, uh, which specifically help fund women in Northern Ireland who need to come to the UK for an abortion. So they'll fund their travel, um, stay, they'll look after them. Uh, you can write to your MP mm -hmm. and talk about this. You can write to Parliament and talk about it. Uh, you can donate to organisations in the States, uh, which are specifically trying to support women through this area. And you can just stand up and have honest conversations with people. That's the one thing I think we can do. We can have an honest conversation and say it's not okay for this to go unpassed. But I think the next thing that then floats in my mind is, well, where where do we start? Do you start with Northern Ireland or do you keep raging at, I guess, a reversal, a regression in the US? Yeah. Where? So I think for me, it feels like, so the thing that was shocking to me was that I sort of knew that about Northern mm. Ireland, but I'd like, I just didn't think it was that bad. It wasn't front of mind. It wasn't mm. front of mind. And also like, well, I'm sure it's, you know, it's, how hard is it to get on a ferry when you're having many months pregnant and feeling terrible? Yeah. And it was in front of mind. And I think in the UK, we have a legitimate thing to say, do you know what? We have let the women of Northern Ireland down. Mm. We have let them down mm. and we have to do better. That doesn't mean that we don't have to also be angry about what's going on in the States because we know that the cultural changes that happen in the US impact on our cultural behaviour across mm -hmm. the UK and Europe. But we have to take some affirmative action about Northern Ireland mm. right now because mm. this is not okay. And so again, it's a... Uh what does that look like because we can I, I feel that every week we as women are annoyed upset frustrated angry because the men are doing something <laughs> and I'm, I'm really I'm distilling it down to simple common denominators here and I feel that they have stopped listening because it's just like noise. A bit like in a, um, a heterosexual married couple where <laughs> the wife just nags and the husband just blocks it out. I think they're doing that on a mass scale. They are, li they are literally blocking it out and going ahead and pursuing anyway. And so I don't always know if groundswell of noise makes them listen. So there must be another way. So if you're in Northern Ireland, one of the things you can do, and this is obviously entirely up to you, but you could not vote for the DUP. So the DUP, who are currently hold the balance power in Northern Ireland and in the UK Parliament, uh, are strongly anti-abortion. But what's the alternative? Great question. I don't know. I'd have to check with Is them. Is it not Sinn Féin? No. Okay. Um, you can also give money to the Abortion Support Network, okay. who support women in Northern Ireland. Mm -hmm. 
and you can I think we do have to make noise about it. I think if we forget that this is happening in Northern Ireland and we forget that Northern Ireland is part of the UK, then we end up in situations like Brexit where we suddenly have a whole problem about exiting the EU because we forgot that Northern Ireland was part of the UK. <laughs> but we're not engaging men on this, though. Like, we can mm. keep making noise, but you're you're right when you said it earlier. All the noise that I've seen on Twitter and my social feeds, and there's been some really brilliant posts, like educational posts, there are, I think I could count probably three posts from from men or things that people have shared that are from men so we're not we're not engaging them and I'd, I don't understand why they don't think that this conversation is relevant or is it just because it's not happening to their bodies so therefore yep. they don't care but it's um we we've got to find a way to engage men on this conversation Nat I I I completely agree we've got to find ways to engage men in this conversation but I do feel like they are shutting it out because it's not happening to them. to them yeah um and so forget politics for a moment what are the other ways and i listeners i'm, I'm calling out to you what yeah. are the other ways that we have facilitated change over the years politics aside how have we shifted things when things were fundamentally wrong other than protesting and riots some of you might be thinking back to you know minor strikes and and other things that was still politics involved. How, have we ever changed anything by not engaging in politics or not engaging politicians? Do you know who we need on this? We need the brilliant Gina Martin who did the upskirting campaign. Yes. Yeah. Because she just got everyone on board with that. Everyone yeah. went, do you know what? This is a, this is a ridiculous thing. Did men thing. get on board with that though? Not to like, you know, all men. Not hashtag not all men. Yeah. <laughs> but some of them, yeah. And she co-ran that campaign with a man. So who stepped back and let her take... <laughs> All the credit for it who's like no what well, this is your idea your campaign but yeah i helped facilitate it but it's not my maybe that's not my thing need. to take i know this isn't a helpful comment but my brain then went well if there were more women in power and i know that that is also not true because there are some women and that, it, yeah. the governor of alabama is a woman and she signed this into effect so yeah. that doesn't change much I don't feel very hopeful right now. <laughs> Listeners, I'm crying. I'm crying oh, internally. Give us some help. <laughs> I've seen you on this show ever. It, do you know what? I feel really, I will say as a woman, I, like, all this week I really noticed how tired I felt. And mm. I said, do you know what? I feel tired because I feel beaten up by the world this week. Mm, yeah. That is how this it does, made yeah. me feel. Yeah. The Vampire Strikes Back. Badass Women's Hour XL on Talk Radio. Now, what do you do with your spare cash at the end of the month if you're lucky enough to have some? Uh, you're blowing it on a big night out, can do some shopping. Uh, is anyone actually investing it? No, not me. Ladies, either of you doing any investing? I'm micro-investing. What does that mean? Passively. Is that the thing where you can like round up your... Yeah, so oh, I you use spend 99p the, and yeah, the money takes the 1p somewhere. And I'm investing through that, so I have a LISA. But I've had ISAs over the years, and I put money in them, and then I empty them <laughs> for a holiday. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, it's just delayed savings, yeah, isn't basically. it? Yeah, basically. <laughs> Emma, what about you? You're quite into your money management. Do you I'm, actually invest? I'm quite into my money mo uh, management. I'm trying to get better with my money, because I saw a financial advisor a couple of years mm. ago, because I was like, right, I know what I want my future to look like. And, you know, I had a minimum pension through some works, and I'd set up my business, so I'd not been paying in 
anything so it's first couple of years of business you need yeah. all the money and uh you know she did my whole plan she's like what do you need basically i need to put away a hundred thousand pounds a year for the next 10 years <laughs> to have the kind of lifestyle that i want so i am definitely trying to save the money <laughs> well here to help us we have tamara gillen from the wealthy her network tamara thanks so much for joining us thank you for having me you have released a big report this week which looks at how women feel about and invest their money and one of the um one of the things that came out of it that was really interesting to me is that you really noticed a difference between women who felt confident in themselves and how they thought about money and women who maybe were suffering from a bit of self-confidence issues or didn't have a lot of self-esteem and their behavior can you tell us a bit about that Absolutely. So there is, there are some clear differences between men and women. We found that. We talked to two and a half thousand men and women. Women across the board, which did break my heart, did have issues with confidence and self-esteem. Um, but women who are less confident are less engaged with, with money, with finance. And in fact, women as a whole are less engaged and less confident um, with finance. But we found some really interesting dynamics. So even some badass, amazing female entrepreneurs who'd sold their companies didn't feel confident when engaging with finance that was around their investments because mm. they didn't want to show that they didn't know. Um, so they didn't want to go into those situations and say, I don't know. And in fact, that is a trend that is across all types of women. Um, and it's something that we have to change. And it's one of the reasons why I started Wealthy Her was because I'm an entrepreneur. Um, I actually lost my first business over 10 years ago because I didn't, I didn't understand finance and money. I didn't engage with it in the way that I should. And I thought, Let's change that. And I also, um, I love the statistic, which is by 2025, 60% of the UK's wealth will be in the hands of women, which I love as a juxtaposition to your earlier conversation mm -hmm. because money is power, but we have to you know, help women to look at how and where they invest that to maximise possibilities for themselves, the families and their future. But I also think building on that, if 60% of money and wealth will be in the hands of women, then we need to spend it with women as well because that's how we essentially build up our portfolio of, of, of wealth and um, I guess keep the money with us versus spending it with businesses that don't care about us or that don't listen to us. Absolutely. And I think another interesting thing that came out in the report is 67% of women, well, 60% of women want to use their wealth to protect and secure the lives and comfort for their family, which mm. is, and then also education for their family. But 67% want to use it for social impact. Yeah. And a key part of that is actually are, are the companies that they're investing in diverse, mm -hmm. which is a great thing. So mm -hmm. not only is wealth shifting, but then women want to do better with their money mm -hmm. uh, for society but also for other women which I think is a, is a great thing and of course it needs to make good commercial sense it can't just be it's good mm -hmm. you know good for good but also for for growth as well yeah I also think I, what I notice is as a, a woman is the thing the opportunities to spend our money on versus men and men seem to and I, it must be I, I'm presuming it's nurture they spend their money on things that actually um, accumulate over time or give them their money back so they will invest in watches what's the the first big spend that a guy normally has that will be on a watch but guaranteed when he gets tired of that watch he'll sell it second hand to somebody else who wants that watch and he'll make just as much back or they're buying very fancy cars so they it's it's, it's like men have the opportunities to invest and i just feel like women get bombarded with stuff to spend our money on but we're not that money doesn't come back to us and that was my point around if 60% is with us, then we can make different decisions. But I think that's part of the, I guess, the what's happened in society over time, because when men were head 
a head head of the household and they were buying the property and they were buying the house they were buying the assets to secure the family and to, to secure the future of the family and the women were buying the things that go in it so all of the small things that are more disposable and i think the flip side of this and and potentially one of the upsides of lots of single women running around town because there are more of us <laughs> these days is that we are investing in those assets but what we're not thinking about are things that uh, what other investments look like and how we increase our our wealth and potentially take a bit more risk we've spoken mm. we've, we've spoken about investing on the show before and actually just the risk level in terms of women and what they will back uh the appetite is lower um but when we do invest we invest well but once mm. we get it we invest well and I, I think our returns are generally better than men yeah absolutely and i, th- I think that we we see, we see that and I, you also see that in women led companies but the thing is that women are they want more information so actually so, so start they start out being they lack confidence yeah. um so they're not as engaged but then they need more information because they are risk aware so mm-hmm. they need more information to invest yeah. but when they do get education and confidence in their investments they invest well and they can drive growth mm. so we, we do see that trend and it's really important therefore that we engage more women within the industry you know within finance and investing and then also give them education about how they make their money you know put their money to best use so how do we get the education because for the, i think for most people you get your first slice of financial education from your bank so a bank's do they get it? Are they doing the work that they need to do? They are starting to. I think everybody within the industry is starting to say, what can we do differently? Mm. So there was a big, you know, and, that, and there's different levels of that. Um, and absolutely, it is criminal that you can leave university and you do not know about basic finances or financial management. And that probably needs to change. But the industry is starting to say, where can they make the biggest difference? Mm. You know, there is, you know, the Rose Review recently came out, which said there is a 250 million economy uh, deficit because a billion actually, because women are not being backed as entrepreneurs so the banking community is making a big shift to say how do we educate women how do we go to women where they are how do we create networks that aren't in the evening when they are playing a disproportionate role with with children like I am Um, so you know they are trying to say how do they educate and then there is a number of things that are coming out just privately of people saying how can they do so I've seen you know finance retreats for women which actually looks like something previously you'd think oh no please that sounds awful (laughs) but you think actually that looks quite good you know to go for the day be in a setting where you can talk to other women and that's the other thing that we found women want to talk to other women and say because actually you can demystify you can almost demystify it between yourselves and say have you got an eye how does your ISA work rather than going and sitting in front of a professional where you're like I I just don't want to ask the stupid questions I don't want to appear like I don't know and I don't have a clue and that was the other thing in the report we had these amazing women so we had a, a big focus group we had many focus group sessions but we had top entrepreneurs we had women from within the finance industry and even women within the finance industry who were hugely successful were like I don't do I don't get involved in our finances I defer to my husband my you know we just think you know if they're not engaged then there really is a big problem and then we need to sort of start those conversations okay we're going to keep talking about this and try and find out some ways that we can get more engaged uh, that's coming up next here on Badass Women's Hour XL. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. 
Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Badass Women's Hour XL on Talk Radio. She'll get you talking. Welcome back to Badass Women's Hour XL. We are talking about money. We've got Tamara Gillen, founder of the Wealthy Hair Network, in the studio with us. And just before the break, we were talking about why women feel so sort of uncomfortable investing. And off air, I was saying that I feel like I'm a bit of a financial failure because... I live my financial life based on what is in my bank account right now. So I look at my bank account and I go, oh my gosh, I've got a whole, I've got my rent coming out, I've got my electricity bill coming out and there is enough money in there. How do I put more money into it? Even though more money might go in, I might get paid, but I'm literally looking at it right now and mm. panicking. Tomorrow, what are the kind of, what are the basics that we should all be doing in order to be better money managers? I think, I mean, there are a number, because of that very fact, there are, and I am so not an expert expert in this, and I am so a terrible example as my own self, which is probably why I've created the Wealthier Network. But I think there are a number of tools now that you can um, engage with as consumer that say, how do you manage your money? See where things are going. As you were saying, with your kind of micro-investing, just skimming off the top little things to make um, investments. I do think to your example around um, seeing a fight, you know, from a financial planning, I think that's really important. I certainly need to go. I must go. I must leave, leave here, book that for Monday to actually start planning ahead and looking at the ways that I can. I think you can and get engaged with your bank as well because they they want to have those conversations. Yeah, you know, I just want to go back to the bank because I've had a recent experience. I, you know, we're talking a lot um, the insights in your report and what we can do to help women, but I think the financial industry has a lot to do to support having been through I've actually filed a complaint with one of the big banks about their unconscious bias because I think as women especially business owners you know it's more challenging for us to be risky and I wanted to get an overdraft for my business and I spoke to the bank and I spoke to a guy and he interrogated me about my business and I was in a like a I think I'm going to have a cash flow gap this 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 overdraft is going to be quite important and he absolutely grilled me are you sure you need the money I don't think we can give you the money what I don't want to do is give you the money because we give money to businesses and they just burn through it straight away so I was like so you're telling me that you will give businesses that are riskier than mine this money but for some reason you're giving me a big hoo-ha wanted me to send reports I ended up hanging up on him because I was just like this is not helpful this is not helping me build my business Two weeks later, I had another call with a female uh, bank manager. She said, absolutely no problem. Your credit history on your account is great. Yep, we can get that signed off today. So I said, well, hang on a minute. 
how come I've had mm. to put up with this guy? And to me, that is unconscious bias because he is over challenging me on my business, not encouraging me to invest in my business. Mate, it's not unconscious. It's just bias. It's just bias. It's just bias. <laughs> it's just bias. But, yeah. but the challenge is if you are trying to be, a, you know, we've already got a, ch- a cultural challenge mm. to take more risks. And then if you're having conversations with people that have a bias and are trying not to let you take risks, then it doesn't matter how ambitious you are with your your well with your you know being wealthier if you're actively being stopped or hindered or patronized by these financial institutes sorry i'm quite angry about well, that no, so this is but so this is what one area where i do think having more women does make the difference and so picking up the phone and speaking to a female business banking and, and lending manager or having uh, networks of female investors that back other women i do think it makes a difference because we look for different things and the questions that we ask are completely different and we um in terms of uh, risk again we're not thinking about the yes it is about growth but I think we just think about a wider portfolio of what success looks like for a business. Um, and so I, I do think us cultivating those networks specifically within business is, is the only way that we can go. And banks need to get on board. I think NatWest have pledged that they're going to bring on board, um, I'm going to get the figure wrong, 10,000 female business advisors? They, they have, and that's off the back of the, the Rose Review. And, and for, to that very reason is the fact that, you know, women do feel that they've got to overcome to, yeah. to, to confidence mm-hmm. to go and ask for money. They do not ask for money in the same way. And in fact, the Rose Review is asking banks and a number have signed up to sign up to the Code of Conduct, mm-hmm. which actually demonstrates of commercial banking loans, what percentage are going to women and what are going to men. So it's, it's a good move because it's starting to look at the numbers and say, let's put it in numbers because mm-hmm. then we can understand mm-hmm. what's happening mm-hmm. to your point women want to see more women they want whether on whatever level whether that's wealth management private banking mm-hmm. or that is commercial banking or retail banking they want to see more women mm-hmm. advisors who look like them that talk and understand the realities of their their life and their needs mm-hmm. i similarly i mean i had a ridiculous conversation after i got divorced with my mortgage company who was saying oh actually you have been paying the mortgage throughout your divorce but in fact because you're a single mother we're going that, that actually works against you and we cannot let mm-hmm. you renew knew your mortgage at the yeah, same level yeah. which was just deeply infuriating and so those things are there but I do think you know some of and I'm you know I, I some of the biggest banks have signed up to wealthier because they do want to change they are listening and saying mm. what is it that we need to do and that's what the report was about to say let's start by understanding what do women want what are, the, what are we getting wrong yes it's jargon not going to them you know, not listening yeah. to what they need and then having this this bias and then how do we change it? And there is a real need for change, but there is a commitment to that change. If we go to the data, do we have data on uh, the numbers of women that default on things like mortgages, loans, business loans mm. versus men? Because financially, if you put it in front of a bank and say backing women means you get your money back versus actually when you back men, you don't. That would be useful. And I feel like it yeah. sort of does exist. Do you know exist. what's interesting about it is that it might exist, but they probably wouldn't be allowed to use it because they used to do this with car insurance. Mm. So you oh, used yeah, to get a better right. deal on your car insurance if you're a woman because women had fewer accidents. And it's discrimination. Yeah. And it's discrimination yeah. against men. 
But you're right, that data would be super. <laughs> the thing is, the banks do have access to that data. They just can't make it public, they can't use can it. they? No, and they do have access to, and the the, the facts are clear, if, if people invest or in, in more diverse businesses or female-led business, there's a higher return on equity, there's a higher growth. So diversity pays, you know, commercially. Those numbers exist. They're mm. very, very uh, public. Mm. But you're right, you do not see actually women are better oh, at yeah. paying Sheila's you know, wheels. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and, well, and <laughs> Sheila's wheels, we have to go. <gasps> do we have time to, I want to d- discuss something. One in 10 women say they would need at least 5 million to feel wealthy. <laughs> Why 5 million? I do not know, and that was more than men. Men, yeah. men felt they needed much less to feel wealthy. Really? I don't know. And if you also look at women more than men, it's about security. So it's about you know security, and it isn't just they not they're not thinking of just themselves. They're thinking of those that are dependent on them. Yeah. I bet they're London women because they'd be like, right, yeah, three mil, <laughs> three mil, <laughs> it's just a nice house. house. Yeah, yeah exactly. that's it. And then you've got like, two million to invest. So yeah, yeah. you would need five million. <laughs> One of the things that came out in the report is that actually women are less likely than men to put money as a priority for them. So is that kind of why we are less engaged with it? It's just doesn't doesn't come on our priorities list i think well i think in the report it, it found that men the actual financial success was actually a marker of their ultimate ultimate achievement yeah. much mm-hmm. more than women so it's almost like it's not whereas women it was about what it creates for them so it was about what can i do with my money which mm-hmm. is about independence you know comfort for my family education for my family but then also i suppose it's role models right because guys talk about it the amount of times i've ended up gate crashing conversation where guys are talking about you know they're the stock exchange apps that they're on or you know they just seem to talk about you know compounding interesting interest like they just seem to be on it because if your role models are talking about it where I don't have any female role models in my life that I've spoken to about finance well apart from Natalie who's like a big (laughs) who likes to spend it but you know my financial advisor who was a woman uh, was the first time that I've really sat down and really thought about it I mean you know you have pension chats at work but I haven't got you know, there's nobody in my life that is actively investing or talking about shares or women don't talk about it. Portfolios of investment, like we don't, we don't. I, yeah, I don't know anybody doing that stuff. Mm. So the woman I know who has probably the best kind of relationship with investment and money. I think I she, know she, she is. Knows, yeah. yeah, you know she is. She has that because when she was young, her dad used to drive her to school. Yes. And her dad was a businessman, and he had lots of investments. And every day on their drive to school, he would get her to read out the share prices in the FT. And so because she did that every day, she started to understand the language of it. She understood what it meant to go up and go down. She understood where the money came from and what created it. And that drove her interest in it. But if it had been her mum driving her to school every day, she wouldn't have had that conversation Mm. because her dad was the one who looked after the money in the house. He understood where the money was invested. He understood what was happening with it. And this to me is like this fascinating little piece of Mm. just social engineering there, which is putting the person that that has that knowledge with all of your kids yeah mm. but then to teach them i've also got to look back at my life and i have not been ready to invest until now because for a long time i wasn't earning much money and i wanted to buy all the crap <laughs> and you ha- there's a certain level point in your life which is about now where you're like i'm really bored of all that crap <laughs> and actually what do i want i want to like start investing and mm. having some money so i think there's also like a, a life cycle right in terms of but which is unfortunate because if you put money away in your 20s, <laughs> if I'd have, you know, been investing what I'm investing now, then I'd be a lot richer. But I think you're right. There definitely is a life stage where you reach that point and you, you know, think, I'm halfway. You've got to live your life. I'm yeah, halfway. halfway. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Ooh, if I'm lucky. You yeah. Know. So what's the point when we should start looking at this seriously? Is it is it in our 
20s, 30s, 40s. I always say this thing about if you start your pension in your 20s, you put as much into it as you do after that. Is is it ever too late? I don't think it's ever too late. I think it depends where you want to focus your your efforts and your returns because as I said I'm an entrepreneur so I was like that's my focus you know very similarly you know I need that's where I'm going to put all of my available money to make my future there for other people they they have a career plan they want to be out earlier and they need to you know invest in a pension very differently and I think it's about your personal you know what do you want but I think asking that question is really important of yourself but I also think to the point you made earlier educating particularly women to have financial conversations so they are aware of the possibilities, where they might go, even talking to role models or, or, or institutions or, mm. or advisors to sort of get that advice so they can create those possibilities for, for what they want. Just really quickly, I think it's important for us to just break down the investment bit. So for anyone thinking, well, what do you, are we actually talking about? At one level, it's your pension, it's having an ISA. It could then be actually investing in stocks and shares, which has its own risk pro- profile. And now you can do lots of things online. It could be assets, so buying properties. Uh, it could be investing in companies. There are lots of ways that you can make your money work for you. You need, But you, know, you need to be engaged. And the first step is just saving a little bit. So even if it's micro, start doing something and you will see a difference. That's very good advice. Tamara, thank you so much for coming. If people you. want to find out more about the Wealthy Hair Network, where should they look? Uh, the Wealthy Hair Network um, online. Just Google and you will find us. The Vampire Strikes Back. Badass Women's Hour Excel on Talk Radio. Now, this week... In the news, it was announced that the feminine hygiene market, which for anyone who's like, what is that? That's essentially tampons and pads, is going to reach $42.7 billion by 2022. Emma? It's not just tampons and pads. Is it not? What else does no, it include? it's all the other stuff that they are marketing. Yeah. So like the, the washers. Uh, I don't know if you remember, somebody came out with a freaking bronzer highlighter for your bits <laughs> it's all that stuff and i don't know how i feel about people making money out i mean a large proportion it will be hygiene products but there's a whole load of other products they're making for us that they think are that our vulvas and our vaginas need and they do not need it we are going to be talking to one woman about that now. <laughs> so, important uh, so one of the things that amused me and when we were talking about this is in the feminine hygiene market does everyone realize um does everyone remember a few months ago when the Gwyneth Paltrow website Goop had to agree a settlement for making unproven scientific claims about its vaginal eggs? Have you seen What these? were the uh, eggs? Oh, were they the so, ones that for te- for strengthening your yeah, pelvic so like floor? Your, like but your they do pelvic work. Floor. Well, meh, they do. They strengthen your pelvic floor, but they're uh, apparently Goop was also say, making lots of other claims about, I don't know, how they probably made it smell of roses or something, I don't know. <laughs> On the phone to talk to us right now, we have Athena Lamnistos, the CEO of gynecological health charity, the Eve Appeal. Athena, isn't it great that so many people are interested in our vulvas and vaginas? Is it not a good thing? Well, <laughs> <laughs> kind of. And, I, and uh, although it's a growing market, as you've said, uh, I'm not sure it's one I'd encourage you to um, invest in because essentially uh, we're being marketed a lot of things that are selling shame in a bottle. Um, so feminine hygiene, in inverted commas, I mean, just just those words, just those two words. Mm, yeah. Is there a masculine hygiene market? Oh, good Ooh, point. Good point. Good no, point. there is not. There isn't. And I don't want to stigmatise men 
men's health either. But um, you no, know, I don't want to make, either, Athena. But I no. have come across some penises in my life that could use that market. Oh! I'm going to tell you that. Well, well, <laughs> Harriet Minter. No. Just to say, smegma is a disease, and uh, and there aren't a whole host of products dedicated to keeping you know the skin under your uh, you know under your foreskin clean. This is very but, true. You know, there's a huge, huge range of products that we just don't need that increasingly are being marketed to very young women in very high-end packaging and bottles. Mm. And we really are being sold in a, a shame in a bottle and being told that the vagina, which is a self-cleaning organ, is the kind of dirtiest place on earth. And this wouldn't be, you know, this, this wouldn't be so serious were it not for the whole host of issues that surround gynecological health anyway, mm. um, the shame, the stigma, the kind of body internal body shaming about gynecological health. So we know it's one of the reasons which has caused, you know, a 20 year drop, a 20 year low that we're in at the moment in terms of women attending cervical screening. And one of the main reasons that's cited, it's not the only reason by far, but one of the reasons that's cited is people are ashamed of showing their bodies. According to the Royal College of um, Obstetricians and Gynecologists, there's been a 500% increase in women wanting labiaplasty. Now, that's because they don't think their vulvas look normal. So the last thing we need, really, uh, is to be told that you need a face mask, I kid you not, for your vulva, um, an exfoliator. I mean, I sort of cringe at that one. I don't know what's going on down there, that it needs to be scrubbed off. Um, and, you know, body, you know, mist and uh, douches, just a whole host of things that you really, really don't need. Well, and uh, and it's, a very, it's a growing market. It is, you and know, I the, know where some of this is going because it's one of the things you talked about there is like scrubs and exfoliants. And mm. a few years ago, I was getting kind of regular waxing mm. and I got ingrowing hairs. And so mm. I would go and get my regular, regular wax and I'd say to my magician, I'm getting ingrowing hairs. And they'd say, well, there's a cure for that. Here it is. It's a £25 bottle of exfoliant and so I'd buy that didn't really work but I was ever hopeful and I realized I was trapped in a cycle whereby I was waxing all this hair off which was extremely painful and very expensive not very effective and then I was getting caught where I was actually doing damage to my body and then I was spending more money to try and repair that damage yeah no indeed and um you know the, the, the thing is that there are there are products that you need and those are the kind of, you know, the obvious ones. And we should call those menstrual products. I mean, just mm-hmm. just the term feminine hygiene is, is enough to send you kind of over the edge. Um, <laughs> and then there are products that you just definitely don't need. And if you want to use them, that's fine. You know, if you feel better using them or um, you're particularly conscious of what, whatever it is. But don't think you need to and don't think that anyone who sees your body or indeed smells your body uh, needs to be bothered by it it's not you that's the problem um, and it's a, it is a really it is a really serious issue and there's just this growing range of products it's like um, it's like I almost feel sometimes we've done sort of uh, you know a very good job of uh, 
getting people to talk about vaginas and, and vulvas. And now there's this sort of whole range of yeah. things being sold as empowerment, which makes it even worse when it's sold as sort of feminine empowerment. I think there is this sold. really new, though. So I remember, so it would have been uh, 14 years ago when the first sort of douches and stuff mm. came out, uh, femicare mm. and lots of other things. Um, mm. And it was mm. to rebalance the pH within your vagina. Yeah, absolutely. And it really was a wave of, of products that, that yeah. came out um, under this balance, rebalancing your pH. And then it's moved to, as H has said, actually now people are waxing, you realise that like any other bit of your hair it comes problems. yeah um and so something needs to be done about that i'm quoting yeah. something needs to be done about that and so an industry i the beauty industry is just thinking mm. about how else it can profiteer off women and women's insecurities and they know if you create a story of insecurity around it that you can then sell yeah, products. And isn't that isn't that just horrible? Yeah. No, it isn't. Yeah. It isn't new. It is predicted to reach um, forty two point seven billion by twenty twenty two. So it's a grow. It's a growing uh, part of the booty market. You talked about um, the goop, the goop eggs. Um, the issue with those was though they're, they're made of a porous material. So um, you know, in many ways, you know, they're a they're a kind of uh, they're not a health-giving product to, yeah. to insert into your vagina. They might help with muscle con- um, control, but uh, anything that's porous can obviously cause infections, mm. um, which is not what anybody wants. Athena, something oh. I learned the other day, I was doing some volunteer work with um, Bloody Good Period, and yeah. I didn't realise that Tampax have a sell-by date. So a lot of the tampons that are on the market have a sell-by date because, Mm -hmm. one, because they use bleach, but also there's chemicals in there that uh, are meant to obviously help us during those times of the month. But actually, they because they are chemicals, they need a sell-by date. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I just thought that was absolutely awful that these manufacturers Mm -hmm. are creating products for us, that we are putting in a part of our body which can absorb... Um, things and we've got chemicals in 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 those um, products. Mm. And imagine not knowing that you were putting something in your well, mouth. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah or digesting. You think you know you yeah. take care about what you're eating and what you're putting in your body, not realizing that actually when you're using these products that you think mm-hmm. are you know just pure materials, then mm. uh, and then then they're not. Mm-hmm. And. You know, Athena, how do we address this? What what needs to happen mm-hmm. in order for us to kind of take back control of this market? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I think I think now everyone knows what kind of normal, in inverted commas, body shaming is, whether it still happens or not, which, of course, it does. You know, it's the whole kind of too fat, too thin, too curvy, you know, celebrating their curves when that's not what's meant at all. That's kind of accepted as wrong, though, and people acknowledge it. But there's a kind of an internal body shaming that goes on around women's bodies, which is just unacceptable and needs to be called out. So what we need to do is educate women around their bodies and so that they know what the names of the parts are, Mm. that they know things like that you don't have to use... um, you know vaginal douches or particular cleaning products um to keep yourself clean all you need is water there's a there's an innovation for you all you need need to do is 
use water. That's that's perfect. It is a self-cleaning organ, um, and you need to you need to get wise about what real empowerment is. There's a huge issue around. I mean, this whole issue of do I am I normal? Is my vulva normal? Um, you know, a lot of women don't know what their own vulva looks like, and there's a huge variation um, in what vulvas look like. There's a fantastic book that was published earlier on this year called Womanhood, mm. which um, uh, is really groundbreaking, I think, in the way that it shows women's bodies with a real female gaze. It's not, you know, you just don't see vulvas like that, you know, in, the, in that kind of photographed in a very naturalistic way. Um, and then stories about each of those, each of those um those those women and you know you normally see if you're seeing women's bodies like that you're seeing them through the lens of porn or you know and you're not seeing a normal body and so you need to know what you look like and what you feel like so if you can't spot your own normal how can you spot what isn't normal um so that's one very very important message and uh and then if you have got i mean what is heartbreaking for us and it is so heartbreaking is when we hear about um, a woman being diagnosed of vulval cancer after sometimes it's six, seven, eight years of intense itching and vaginal discomfort. And they've basically been disguising um, their symptoms by using um, things like more, you know, feminine care mm, products mm. Um, instead of actually getting themselves to the doctor and asking, is it normal that I've got this? And quite often it's not. I mean, quite often it isn't vulval cancer, but in a tragic number of cases it is. Um, and yet they've been disguising the symptoms as those sort of feminine itching in inverted commas is a normal thing it's not and it may not be thrush so so much is sort of you know oh it's probably thrush but you know there are lots of things you can do one of the things we're running this campaign at the moment called get lippy um and it's very literal it's get a lip product that's supporting the campaign in may and get lippy as in speak openly and out about the issues and what's very important there is to normalize the conversation about so many of these things um and when you when you do that it takes the fear out of it really um, and it enables you to ask questions that you haven't asked before and ask them of the right people. And we produce these Get Lippy tips, which are for women. We produce them in association with doctors and patients, and they're for women to sort of help them when they go to the doctor to have a good conversation with them. And one of the things that we tell women to do is let the doctor know you really don't mind being examined because that quite often, if you present with something like, oh, I've got strange discharge you know and yes i did just say discharge um you know which makes a lot of people kind of startle uh the doctor doesn't examine them because on both sides they're thinking oh there's embarrassment around this and it's not what she would want well if you don't mind say that it is um yeah. and then you're going to get to the crux of the matter much more quickly athena thank you so much for joining us before you go i just want to ask you about one new um femcare product that has hit the market which is day a startup developing a new type of tampon that is going to infuse the tampon with CBD oil in order to help period cramps. What do you think about that? Well, you know, as we were just saying about chemicals, it's a very direct way into your body in terms of absorption. I mean, there are um, there are lots of ways of of, of um, absorbing things into your body. It may be something that helps some people. Um, 
I mean, you know, by and large, I think just be very careful about about what you're putting into your body and really only do it if that if that seems like um uh, you know, the best way for you. What's very exciting about that mechanism is um, if we can develop screening tests that use something as simple as a tampon, mm. which is something that mm. as a research charity we would really like to see because that's something that's very acceptable to, to not all women, but, but a lot of women are very comfortable using tampons now. And if we can... You know, it's almost the reverse, isn't it? If we can use that as a way of uh, detecting uh, diseases, that would be absolutely fantastic. I don't know if you saw recently mm -hmm. there's developments around being able to detect HPV from urine samples, yeah. which, you know, is nowhere near going into screening yet. But that would be, again, you know, doing a urine test is very, is very acceptable to people. And that's what we're striving for, being able to detect gynecological right. diseases without... Um, you know, something that's, that's less acceptable. Athena, thank you so much for joining us. Athena Lamnesos, uh, CEO of the Eve Appeal, their Get Lippy campaign is running at the moment. If you want to see me talking about the importance of the word vulva, it's on my Instagram for a minute. Go look, have a look at it at Harriet Minter. Uh, they're doing brilliant work. One, two, three, four. This has been the Badass Women's Hour podcast with me, Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell, and Emma Sexton. If you want to hear more from us, you can come follow us on social media at Badass Women's Hour HR um, or leave us a review and tell us how much you love us. We really need to feel the love. Five stars should do it. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.